it sounds great, but it comes at such a trade-off to be able to yeah. get to a point where you have a visible six pack. And if you're trying to live an actual life outside of the gym and outside of worrying about every single macro that goes into your mouth, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your goal, then great. But uh, it just makes it so much harder for you to live an actual life and be able yeah. to enjoy your time as a human. And realistically, like, have you ever had stuffed crust pizza? I'm <laughs> <laughs> hey there, welcome to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. I'm Brooke. And hello, I'm Iris. On this show, we challenge the common understanding of what it means and what it takes to be fit and healthy. We explore all things fitness, nutrition, mindset, and mental health without the fluff and BS. So grab a coffee, get ready to laugh, cry, even learn a thing or two. Let's get into it. All right. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very special guest, and that is Nick Anderson with Nick Anderson Fitness. Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? I am Nick Anderson of Nick Anderson Fitness. <laughs> uh, so I am Nick Anderson. Uh, so I'm an online fitness coach. Uh, I've been doing it since like, I don't know. I don't know. 2020, something like that. When online fitness coaching became a real thing. Um, <laughs> when it became the thing to do because no one was in person. Um, yeah. I had have like a background of doing like a bunch of stupid crash diets and stuff and was like, well, this is terrible. And then actually learned like what I can do to reach fitness goals sustainably. So I started doing that and realized how much better it is, first of all, than trying to eat like 1200 calories or eat out of these stupid colored containers from insert MLM products <laughs> that this comes from. Um, and once I started doing that, I was like, all right, well, like, this is awesome. Let's, let's teach other people how to do this. So started doing that, got myself into powerlifting, getting really strong. So yeah, that's a little bit about me. And you just had a pretty awesome meet. Why don't you uh, share some of those awesome PRs with our audience? I did. I just had my second powerlifting meet, which, which is wild to me that I, I just went to a powerlifting meet because <laughs> if I kind of like flash back to like three or four years ago, I'm thinking about this moment where I was super stressed about going to the gym for the first time. Mm -hmm. so I'd never been to a gym before. I had all these stress dreams that I like, I loaded the barbell up and then in my dream, all the plates fell off the bar, smashed all the mirrors in the gym. So super stressed about that. I literally went to the gym at like 4.30 in the morning for the first time because I knew no one would be there at that time. And now I'm at a point where I'm stepping onto a platform in front of spectators and lifting weights for them. And that's <laughs> such an interesting parallel. So kind of cool to like see where that progress was. Cause if I had just given up and not gone to the gym for that first time, it would not be here. Yeah. Look at you now. Look at me now. <laughs> Look at you now. I don't know. That's like Ow. a Chris Brown song. Ow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and you just hit some major personal bests in your last power meet power meet power lifting me my, my power meet <laughs> i feel like a power meet. i feel like a power ranger um yeah hit a hit a 413 deadlift a 220 bench and a 369 squat 
So that was a, a huge difference from even looking over the last year. I was just looking over the last year where I was a year ago, almost two days a year ago. That doesn't make sense. You know what I'm trying to say, though. I know what you're trying to say. Jan- January 11th, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at a PR video of a 355 pound deadlift. So it's, I think it's that's a 50, 58 pound difference over the course wow. of a year. Congrats. So big. Slow and steady. And during that time, it felt like it was going super slow and I wasn't making progress. But if you look back a year ago, I'm like, wow. That is a lot of progress. It's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> most definitely. Most definitely. All three of us have found like major empowerment in lifting big weights. Mm. Of course, big, heavy is subjective to the person, um, but like of really course. challenging ourselves there. I think that is something that a lot of people are missing out on. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, I think. A lot of people, first of all, when they're when they're new to the gym, they kind of sell themselves short on what they can lift. You know, this is this is context dependent, right? Like, I think there are some some guys that go into the gym for the first time and they like ego lift like crazy, and they look like a manatee having a seizure. <laughs> and then there's other people who like will go in and they'll like pick up the little five pound weights and do a do a dumbbell bench press with it when really they could handle like a 15, a 20, or even a 25. Mm-hmm. And once you learn that you're capable of more than you actually think you are, I feel like that kind of makes you think about other things in life that you're actually capable of, not aside from what you can do in the gym. You're like, well, well, maybe I can speak up to my boss and be like, hey, something's not right here. I, I think that's one of the things that I learned as I started to get stronger is I got mentally stronger in other points of my life and started to advocate for myself more. And it's, it's been a lot of experience with my clients doing that as well. I don't know if you guys have had that kind of experience as well. Mm, Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I love what you said about it translating into other things because I've noticed that too in myself, like why can do this? Why can't I give that a shot? You know? And sometimes you know, there's adjustments need to be made and it's not like totally the right approach or whatever, but like just the openness to trying stuff has like really changed in me since I started like learning how to lift and lift well and lift properly and push myself. And I call it the bounce back ability, (laughs) you know, being able to like bounce back from something really hard or something really stressful or like pushing through those last few reps when like I could put it down and be done, but like, I know I have a few left in me. Um, I think that's huge. Yeah. And that's, that's probably a big thing for you in particular, because you know, what I've seen from your programming, you are basically, you're using like an RIR scale, right? So like you really have to assess for yourself, how many reps do you really have in Mm -hmm. reserve versus like someone who might be like, oh, it's starting to burn. Oh yeah. I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The burn is confusing for a lot of people um, because it doesn't necessarily equate to like appropriate stimulus when it comes to building muscle. It's just metabolite buildup. Right. But a lot of people chase the burn in things, which often translates into not enough weight because the lightweight high reps oftentimes is what gives you that. Although, you know, 
again, to the point of like, it doesn't really mean anything in terms of hypertrophy. Like I can do three really heavy hip thrusts and my glutes will be burning like crazy. So like it, it's really not what we're going for. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just not the stimulus that we're going for when it comes to yeah. building muscle or getting stronger, I think. Yeah, I think it's Paul Carter that's that talks about sensation a lot. Yeah. And that's that sensation of burning doesn't always equate to hypertrophy. It's it's how much mechanical tension that you can get on whatever muscle group you're working. And you know, if if you're doing one set of a hundred, it's gonna burn a lot, but you're really not getting the mechanical tension that's needed to actually grow muscle. Right. Mm-hmm. So you and Brooke have a podcast, the Donuts and Dumbbells podcast is Brooke's we podcast. We sure do. Yeah, we it's pretty sure good. Do. We sure do. Uh, you know, it's not bad. No, it's great. <laughs> it's all right. I'm, you know. I'm going to undersell it and then oversell it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I like your style. I like your style. <laughs> Nick, you have your own podcast, so I, I don't do. want to go super deep into this because I know on both of those podcasts, you've gone into it on your podcast. You talked about your whole meat experience this time and last time. And then on Donuts and Dumbbells, you guys talked about your experience in a water cut and a bunch about scale fluctuations. Yes. But just very TLDR, what's up with the scale, Nick? <laughs> Why isn't it the best gauge of progress for literally anything? Well, I I will share a little bit about the water cut experience. Again, you can you can listen to this on both my podcast and Brooks' podcast if you want, and now on a third podcast. <laughs> um. <laughs> Much more in depth on the other ones, I will say. We're just kind of glossing. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna make this as brief as possible. But we all know that I can be long winded sometimes, so I'll do my best. <laughs> So basically from my experience, I had to step on the scale at a certain weight so I could compete in my weight class. So this meant that I did a water cut for this. So it's basically... Sounded miserable, by the way. It was quite miserable and I probably won't do it ever again. Um, so you basically increase how much water you drink for a couple of days and then you like really back off on that, you back off on sodium, you back off on, on how many carbs that you can just so that the scale can be very low on a on that given moment where you step on the scale. So I, I cut like six pounds of water. So I was, I was 185 normally, and then I got down to 179. And then after the meet, now you need to intake as many carbs as possible so that you can have enough energy and enough fuel to hit massive PRs on the platform. So in the course of 12 hours, from going to like limiting water intake, limiting calorie, limiting carbs, 179 pounds on the scale. 12 hours later, 711 grams of carbs later, we're at 190 pounds. So like just based on those two data points, it looks like I gained 11 pounds when really I stepped back on the scale two days later and I'm back at my normal 185, 186 weight. So the scale does not give you a hugely accurate picture because of things like water retention, because of how much food volume is in your stomach, because you may have to take a shit. <laughs> and mm -hmm. probably some inflammation for, from training. I know that's certainly the also case for that. Me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it can also be sodium. If you have a little bit too much sodium one day or not, not even too much, but just a little bit more than usual. Mm -hmm. Very some water shifts in water. your body. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep. Most definitely. Yeah. So if, if it's that time of month, like there's more bloating that's going to come out of that. Like there's so many reasons that the scale will make massive fluctuations in either direction, lower or higher. So 
you know, don't read too much into that day to day. Like Brooke and I talked about on the podcast, look at the month to month, look at the year to year. Yeah. Very important to zoom out and not obsess over any one week of weigh-ins, any one month of weigh-ins, any weigh-ins at all. <laughs> Just don't obsess about it. It's fine. Mm. Just yeah. carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in a cut right now, as you know, and I've been sharing my daily weigh-ins on my Instagram stories, and it's been very interesting, the conversations. Uh, I'm like six, five, six days in now, and just that little amount of time, people tend to overthink everything. And this weekend, we're doing a hike, and we're probably going out to eat afterwards. I intend to stay more or less in my deficit range, but I'm expecting the scale to go up afterwards because inflammation more food in my stomach and sodium restaurant food has more sodium, which is fine. But just to be aware, like I'm fully expecting the scale to go up. And when you look at all of this stuff in context, like Nick was talking about with all of the carbs he ate and all of the water he cut and all the sodium and like, it's just like you said, a very, very incomplete picture. So if you're on any kind of transformation journey, you have to zoom out majorly zoom out pictures, measurements, clothes, and scale. Most definitely. And also paying attention to progress in the gym and progress yeah. in your form. Like there's so much to say about progressing with good form. Mm -hmm. Maybe one, maybe when like you look at your very first squat video and as you're descending into the squat, maybe your shoulders are rounding forward and you lose a little bit of tension in your upper back or your hips rise first. And then you look at a video from six months later and you are descending with your upper back, staying in a neutral position and you're coming out of the hole at the right, like with your shoulders and your hips rising at the same time versus your hips rising first. There's a lot to say about making sure you're taking your form videos in the gym and also using those as a comparison because you can compare the amount of strength you've built over a period of time as well. Oh, for sure. Better form is a huge progress indicator. Absolutely. I mean, I have yeah. videos from when I first started like really lifting weights. My squat is drastically different. It's so much better. I still look back at some of my videos from when I first started going to the gym too. It's it's funny to see my squat videos because I was using the, the pad on the bar for like the first oh. month that I was squatting. And it's so Nick, embarrassing. Nick, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that's a really good thing to bring up. Yes. A lot of people are um, coming into the new year and they're wanting to learn how to exercise. Uh, when is a good time to use a pad on a bar? Hip thrusts is pretty much the only place that I will use a pad on the bar. And the Same. reason for that is, first of all, that bar is going to be a lot of pressure on your hips, on mm -hmm. your legs. You will get bruised because I have forgotten my pad once. I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. It was not fine. I had a bruise on my legs for like a week. It was awful. But the reason that you don't want to use a pad for squats is it's going to put the bar in not an ideal position. It's going to be resting more on your neck. Uh, it's going to kind of push your neck forward a little bit as you squat when really you want the bar either resting on the top of your shoulders or the back of your rear delts. So like it's either a high bar or a low bar squat position. Um, and that's just going to be more ideal. It's going to be a lot safer for you. It's it's actually not that safe to use the bar, the pad on the bar for squats. And if you look at the thickness of the bar, it pushes the bar out from your spine, like 
at mm-hmm. least an inch. And that can really knock off your balance and in turn knock off your form. Definitely. And good point. I know that like when I'm doing a back squat, one thing that I like to cue myself with and my clients is pulling the bar into you. And the mm-hmm. reason is, is you want that bar nice and close. You want that bar to be able to track center of the your midfoot as you're descending in that squat. And if you have a pad on the bar, you're throwing off, just like Iris said, that that gravity of where that bar should actually be resting. And you can be actually placing more strain on other parts of your spine versus directly in the center of your foot, which can really throw your balance and you lose tension in the bar because you can't physically pull it into you. And not only that, the closer the load is going to be to your center of mass, the more efficient your lift is going to be. Mm-hmm. The stronger you're going to be, the more weight you're going to be able to load on the bar. If you have the bar further away from your center of mass, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder to actually lift the weight. So um, it may feel uncomfortable if you're adjusting from removing the pad to switching to just the bar, but lean into that discomfort for a little bit because after a while you won't even notice. Very we are true. all about and- leaning into <laughs> that discomfort. Leaning into discomfort, <laughs> most definitely. And I I love to to say this, but like it's not supposed to tickle. It's mm-hmm. going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's if you notice that you're feeling like some shoulder tightness, things like that, um and that's why you don't want to use a bar pad, then you need to work on your mobility, not necessarily putting a bar on it. It's like putting a band-aid on a wound that needs stitches. Mm-hmm. You don't want to do that. We want to work on the shoulder mobility, we want to work on being able to get into certain positions. And as Nick said, over time, it's going to feel like just a part of what you do in the gym. It's going to feel like a stretch almost. And I'm really glad you brought that up. Like if you're feeling that shoulder pinch, then that means that we need to take a different option for that exercise for now until you get that shoulder mobility. If you're feeling that pinch when you're trying to get your arms back, then move to either a goblet squat or safety squat bar is like such an underrated tool. If you have one of those, because you don't have to bring your shoulders back. You have your arms right underneath you and you can still load the bar fairly heavy in a safety squat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's another route you would take Iris? I would. Well, just to jump back for a quick second, because I know a lot of people say that the knurling on the bar is what's irritating their back. Mm. So if that's the case, wear a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Don't wear a muscle shirt. Right. I love me a muscle tee, but I have a handful of them that I don't wear on back squat day because I know the knurling is going to like tear up my skin a little bit. Just that little tiny thin bit of fabric will help you greatly there if the knurling is the problem. Yeah, I frequently squat in a hoodie because yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't like how the knurling feels. Yeah, I don't want that big red line on my back, you know. <laughs> I don't mind the calluses on my hands for some reason, but I don't want that on my back. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm just a sadist, but I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say something else too, but I forgot. What was the question? Get three people on here with ADHD. This is going great. (laughs) Yeah. And the three of us get together. We just turn into a bunch of big idiots. So (laughs) I love it. You big idiot. (laughs) Another thing I would recommend besides, you know, just wearing a t-shirt and things like that is... You know, I love Nick's idea, too, about dialing it back and maybe doing a different variation of a squat, like a goblet squat or a safety bar squat. Um, But I also recommend in your other training, 
really focusing on your upper back strength, developing a lot more strength in your upper mm. back and between your shoulder blades, mm -hmm. your rear deltoids, which are the muscles on the backs of your shoulders and core strength, because a lot of times your core, your glutes and your upper back, they really need to work together in order to complete the squat movement in a way that is safe and effective. Compound and move. It's a compound movement yep. where it's working multiple muscle groups at a time. And so making sure in your in your accessory movements or for those of you that are new to lifting the movements that are not compound, like a squat or a deadlift or a pull up, making sure that you're hitting different parts of your body like your upper back. So those are going to be things like cable rows, lat pull downs, really making sure that you're developing strength in your upper back because that will also help pull your shoulders into a more optimal position. Mm -hmm. And core strength too, hollow body hold, yeah. dead bugs, bird dogs. Mm -hmm. I really love RKC planks as well or body <laughs> saw planks. There, yeah. there are oh, those a lot are of really... A lot of really Do you good love exercises. them, Brooke? <laughs> I can honestly say I do. Ever since starting pole, I, I love core exercise now, mainly because of the transition that it has into my movement, which I bet even even with you listening, when you realize that there is a place for core exercise in compound movements it makes it a little bit easier to digest with wanting to do it. Now I kind of search for that burn in the core. <laughs> <laughs> and how is core different than ab work? Yes. Because it is. Core work, I like to look at as intrinsic. And ab work, I like to look at external. So core stability is really what we're looking for when we're doing the main lift. So intrinsic core stability. So making sure that you're engaging, activating, and strengthening all the muscles that are directly attached to the spine. Because if we're just training abs and doing a bunch of crunches, like you can have a six pack, but you can have a weak core. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure that you're doing exercises that are going to challenge your core stability. So things like bird dogs, things like dead bugs, where you're not only working the front of your core, but also the back because your core is your trunk. Mm -hmm. It is your diaphragm. It's your internal, external obliques. It's your uh, transverse abdominis. It's your quadratus lumborum, which are your, you know, your, your lower back muscles. Sounds like a it's Harry Potter lats. spell. It really does. <laughs> quadratus lumborum. Okay, I'm... This is going to happen. I'm going to get quadratus lumborum tattooed on my fucking quad. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to do this with a wand. Okay. Okay. I'm just thinking out loud. Sorry, guys. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I digress. Understanding that your core is so much more than just your abs. Mm -hmm. It's also your pelvic floor. So... One thing is I get a lot of moms that'll be like, yeah, I wanted to do a squat, but I felt like I was going to pee. Yeah. And that's because a lot of times after we have children, we have not the most functional pelvic floor. So you want to make sure that you're really training your stability in your core and not just trying to get a six pack. Right. Yeah. I think so many people, when they think of core training, they just think about chasing that burn in their abs just so they can get a a chiseled six pack, which first of all, is not going to happen by doing hundreds upon hundreds of crunches. I think that's the most common question that I get from a new client is like, Hey, can we do more ab exercises? I really want to see my six pack. Mm -hmm. 
And well, yeah, ab exercises are great. They have a time and a place. Like, first of all, core stability and function is going to be way better for like general health, general fitness than just doing a bunch of crunches. And secondly, like I said, doing those crunches aren't going to make you see your visible six pack because that is going to come from your nutrition have, being lean enough to actually see the muscles underneath what body fat you may have there. Most definitely. Most definitely. And you get to decide if that's worth it for you, but I, I'd be willing to bet for most people, it's more misery than fun. <laughs> yeah. It, it sounds great, but it comes at such a trade-off to be able to yeah get to a point where you have a visible six pack. And if you're trying to live an actual life outside of the gym and outside of worrying about every single macro that goes into your mouth, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your goal, then great. But uh, it just makes it so much harder for you to live an actual life and be able yeah. to enjoy your time as a human. And realistically, like, have you ever had stuffed crust pizza? I'm <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but I am not giving that up for some abs. And I've had abs, you know, I did a bodybuilding show. I've had abs and you know what? They're fucking overrated. And you know who gave a shit about my abs? You did. Nobody, nobody except for me, <laughs> nobody except for me. So I've never ever had somebody say, you know, I would hang out with you, but like, you don't have apps. Like, <laughs> that just sounds silly, right? Yeah. Or I would hang out with you, but you don't weigh 143.2. If anyone yeah. ever said that to me, I'd be like, well, I'm not hanging out with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Bye. I'm like, good riddance. You won't split a pizza with me. Fuck you. <laughs> Peace out. More for me anyway. <laughs> I know. I think when we went to the inner circle retreat, we were we were grubbing. We were all grubbing, oh, yeah. having burgers. You know what? Oh. I have to say, I've been thinking about this like since the retreat. It is so nice to be around a bunch of people who are not afraid to eat. Yes. Like I appreciate this about my in-laws too. I was thinking about this over Thanksgiving. Like I've been around so many people who are so like neurotic about food that it's a pain to cook for them. But like, oh yeah, my in-laws, people at the retreat, like we went to Terry Black's, we went to get burgers and ice cream and like nobody gave a shit. We were all having such a great time and nobody was losing their minds and that was so nice. And I just had to say that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is so true. That is so true. And Nick, I'm sure you can relate with this. And Iris, I'm sure you can too as a fitness enthusiast. Like I will go to an event and as soon as people hear that I am a personal trainer or not like and that I work with nutrition, they immediately start justifying their food choices and talking about their diet. And I'm just like, I, yeah. have you seen my plate? Like, yeah. have you seen my plate? I have two fucking cupcakes on this plate. Like, <laughs> and I'm going to eat them both. Damn it. <laughs> it's it's so uncomfortable when people bring that up. I'm like, yeah. I am not even looking at your plate. I could give two shits what you're eating. Yeah. All I want is for you to enjoy it. That's the only thing I care about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just had to bring that up because, you know, Iris, that is so true. People are so afraid to eat and whatnot, or they're always justifying their nutrition choices to me. And I'm like, you don't have, like, and I've actually had to say this to people, like, you don't have to explain anything to me. Like, mm -hmm. you know, if, if, as long as you're enjoying your meal and having a good time, that's all I care about. Like, we're both here to celebrate a friend or we're both here to enjoy a nice meal together. Like, it, it's, I'm not going to judge you based on your food choices. Like, I don't want you to judge me based on mine either. 
you know, the personal trainer with two cupcakes and two slices of pizza. Yeah, that brings up a whole topic about the fact that we shouldn't be judging anyone by their food choices. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Like you're you're a human and you're free to make your own decisions. And if you want to have a pizza, anyone who's going to judge you for that, fuck you. Like big fuck you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it says a lot about what's going on inside them too. Because yeah, there's oh, a lot of insecurities sure. by like, oh, maybe they want pizza and oh, I, oh, I can't have that because I'm being good. Wasn't it you that just talked about that, Iris? Yeah, um, I think I heard about that. About yeah, that. I posted recently. I think people say things without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes like they do actually mean what they say when they say stuff like, oh, I'm being so good. Like I made such a good choice or like. I don't, I've been eating too much crappy food, like all of that. But the words we use, we absorb it, right? Into our Mm -hmm. belief system. So if you keep talking like that, like, oh, I'm being so bad right now. I went to this barbecue place and had like (laughs) a giant thing of mac and cheese. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, it's just a recipe for guilt and like shame and wheel spinning, because if it's bad, then why would you eat it? So now you have to put it off limits and then you burn yourself out, can't take it anymore. Then you go ham and then it's just the cycle continues. So yeah, yeah. you you start to internalize those words and yeah, the more you eat those things, the more you think like, oh, maybe this is actually bad. Yeah. When in reality, it all has a place. Exactly. Life isn't life without a little mac and cheese here and there. Exactly. That's fair. That's fair. Or, oh, or those ribs. Let me tell you what. We need to go back to Dallas and get ribs. We all need to just meet up there just for barbecue. I'm down. down. I'm so down. Let's get an Airbnb. You know, what would be fun is if we all went with our significant others. That would be super fun. That would be really fun. I really, really yes. want to meet Iris's husband. I really want to meet Danielle in person because I just, oh, she's so sweet. Well, let's make this happen. I would love to do that. I would too. We get Airbnb down in Austin or Dallas. We, we, can can all, we can all know. make some content together too. Oh, that'd be so much fun. Mm. We can all lift together. Ooh. Yes. And I'm interested to hear your perspective on this as someone who competes in a sport where you have to perform specific exercises. I don't think there is any one specific exercise out of sport that everybody has to do, right? Like not everybody has to back squat unless, of course, you're competing in it. Right. Not everybody has to do a barbell bench press. Like I don't because my shoulders don't like it and I'm not competing in it. What are your thoughts on that? Because like some people just aren't built for it, right? Aren't built for the form that is. Sure. And I think, I think you're so right. I don't think there are any specific exercise that people have to do. I think we should all be doing maybe some variations of certain movements. We should all be doing some sort of hinge, some sort of squat, but even then, like there might be limitations where you can't, maybe you've had, a serious issue with your, with your knees. And right now you can't squat. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was, as you were saying that I was trying to think of an exercise that everyone should be doing. And the first one that came to my mind was walking. And then I was like, but wait, there are people in wheelchairs. They can't walk. Mm -hmm. So, so even then walking isn't an exercise that everyone has to do. So like, it's very case dependent. I think there are, there are a lot of exercises that people should do if they can, 
your basic movements, your basic hinge, your basic squat, your basic like lunge pattern, pressing and pulling and walking. But it doesn't have to be a barbell bench press. It doesn't have to be like there isn't like a one one exercise. It's like, okay, you have to do this, but find a variation that works for you, that feels comfortable for you. And if right now that movement pattern doesn't feel comfortable for you, you had a torn rotator cuff and you can't press right now, that's okay. Work on strengthening around that area where you can't go to physical therapy, first of all. And when you can get, if and when you can get back to that movement, get back to it and keep it light, progress in it as best you can. And don't pigeonhole yourself into thinking that you have to do a certain exercise just because your favorite influencer on Instagram likes to do barbell bench press. Mm -hmm. I love that because for a long time, I felt like I had to back squat, barbell bench press and barbell deadlift. When in reality, my body does not enjoy back squats. I will do them if my coach programs them for me. Well, I am my strength coach right now, so I'm not going to program the, for me. But when I do, when I do have a strength coach and they program them for me, I will do them because I know there's a reason for it. But personally, it makes my mid to low back really angry, even when I have good form, because I have I have a disc issue. I have a, her- a mild herniated disc and I also have what's called lumbar stenosis. So the compression of the barbell on the top of my spine, it irritates the nerves in my lower back, which will send tingling pain down my hamstring. So that is a reason why I don't really barbell back squat very much. Now I will make myself front squat, which I have been doing lately. Um, but you know, I, I am totally agree with Nick. I, I think that some people should be doing forms like variations of exercises, but not everybody has to barbell back squat or barbell bench press or deadlift. And I think a lot of people get hung up on those three exercises in particular because they are quote unquote, the big three, the barbell bench, the barbell deadlift, the barbell back squat. And depending on your goals, those might be completely unnecessary for you. If your goal is to build like a really good physique, I would very rarely want to program any of those three because they're not as ideal for hypertrophy. I'd much rather you do a barbell RDL, Mm -hmm. a, a dumbbell bench press and like a hack squat or something like that. The Bulgarian split squat just for, for like quad growth because it does recruit so many muscles. And if you want to build muscle, you do want to focus on a little bit more of isolation exercises so that you can get the most out of out of whatever growth that you're going for. Mm-hmm. Strength is important in hypertrophy and there should be an element of that as well. It shouldn't be all hypertrophy because- It's like a Venn diagram. Yeah, exactly. We yeah. kind of want to be well-rounded athletes in a way, but it doesn't mean that you have to do this exercise. You have to do something that's going to stimulate your goals. Absolutely. And while we're on that topic, I have to bring this up because I saw it on IG the other day. But Nick, is there such thing as a fat burning exercise? (laughs) I knew you guys would giggle. I knew it. I I love that you brought this up because it actually brings up a topic that I've wanted to talk about for a long time and I've never really found a time and a place for it. So this is perfect. Go off. Because most, most people will say, 
the only fat burning exercise that you should be doing is plate pushes and cabinet closes and stuff like that, which, you know, in theory, this sounds great. Yeah. Like calorie deficit is the way to burn fat. But I find that that language sounds like very disordered eating to me. Like, oh yeah, you want to lose fat? Just push the food away from you. And no, if you want to lose fat, you need to actually eat food. Uh, So please don't be just like pushing every single plate away from you. You need to eat some of the stuff that is on the plate first. You need to be eating in a sustainable calorie deficit. Thank you. (laughs) Agreed. Thank you. And not only that, but making sure what's on your plate are things that are going to fuel your goals. Things like nutrient dense foods, lean proteins, healthy fats, having a balanced plate, because what happens is a lot of people will think calorie deficit and they will go out and buy low carb, low fat, you know, ultra processed food. When in reality, when you start eating and you start eating a lot of high, like low like or high volume foods where you can have a lot of food in one sitting and feel full and satiated foods that have a lot of fiber, foods that have a lot of micronutrients, foods that are actually going to give you energy versus foods that kind of make you feel lethargic after you eat them. That is so important and underrated. So like, I love that you brought that up, Nick, because I see it a lot too. And I know that it's well-intended. I know what like the, the overarching theme is, but in reality, someone that's brand new to changing their lifestyle and fitness and nutrition can look at that as, oh, I, I can't eat if I want to reach my goal or if I eat, I have to eat 1200 calories or low carb or ultra processed. Like you want to eat as much as you can in a calorie deficit. And that's going to include a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, a lot of lean proteins, a lot of healthy fats that are going to help your brain function and carbohydrates. All of those foods are going to benefit you. So I'm really glad you brought that up. I just want to add to that too, because Yeah, that's super important to have all those nutrient-dense foods. You need to be having all those vegetables, rich in fiber foods, lean proteins. But to some degree, you also want to be including foods that you genuinely enjoy. Mm -hmm. This doesn't mean that you need to never eat an Oreo again, that you never can have stuffed crust pizza again. There is a time and a place for these foods to be included in your diet. You know, you can have them in moderation if they fit within your calories, great. Now, if you're having them all the time and you are still in a calorie deficit, you're going to feel super hungry all the time. So obviously not ideal to be just having those foods. 80% of your diet should come from foods that actually make you feel good. And then 20% of foods should make you feel good. (laughs) Yeah. Like having a cupcake at a birthday party, you know, that's that 20%. You're not going to have a cupcake every single day. I mean, if it fits within your calories, you could, but you also want to make sure that you're fueling your body in a way that's going to align with your goals. I'm the type of person that like needs to have one of those sweet snacks every day. So like I'll get something low calorie that like it's something small. I love these like mini ice cream cones. They're like a hundred calories and they're fucking perfect. Like it's, I don't feel like I'm restricting anything because I'm still enjoying something that's delicious. And then the rest of my food's going to be like salads and sandwiches. Like let's not discredit sandwiches as a healthy food because they're fucking lean protein, vegetables, and some, some fibrous bread. Like let's go. Oh, 100%. And I do the exact same thing I get from Target 
it's their favorite day brand. And I get their little mini ice cream sandwiches. And one of them is like 90 calories. And I will have one like whenever I feel like I, you know what, I kind of, I kind of want an ice cream sandwich today and I'll have one. And if I have enough calories left over, maybe I'll have two, but it's, it's one of those where they're, they're small, but they're satisfying. I'm not saying, okay, well, you know, I'm I'm not currently in a deficit, but if I were in a deficit, I'm not saying, okay, I'm in a calorie deficit and I'm not going to eat any ice cream sandwiches. I'm going to want them a lot more. And then when I do have them, I'm going to want to eat the entire box. Exactly. Yeah. For like building a sustainable relationship with food, you need both satiety and satisfaction as part of it. Absolutely. And now I can have you know, foods that I used to consider quote unquote trigger foods. I don't really necessarily like that term, but I used to keep those foods where, you know, people will say, oh, I would love to keep Oreos in the house, but I can't because I I have no self-control. I used to be that person and I ended up challenging myself to have two Oreos every single day until it's like Beth's candy challenge, Beth Farako. She does a a candy challenge every October before Halloween, two weeks before Halloween. And it's, you have to have a piece of candy with lunch and dinner every single day. And by the end of it, you don't really crave it. Like you could, you could take it or leave it. The same thing can happen with those foods that you want to enjoy in moderation that not only, you know, you're eating those nutrient dense foods that are going to keep you satiated, but also having a little bit of foods that are going to satisfy that you know, that enjoyable feeling that you're searching for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like to say that the fun stuff, the yummy stuff that just you like and makes you happy, that's part of health too. I yeah. mean, how healthy is it really to demonize all this stuff and avoid it like the plague and then ultimately binge on it because you don't allow it in your life? Yeah. Cause exactly. it, it feels awful when you're at like an office party and then there's pizza and you're like, Oh no, I, I can't have any, I'm being good. And then people are going to be like, well, that's fucking weird. And like, first of all, shame on them for judging your food decisions, because whether your decisions are on food are being judged based on whether you're trying to eat, quote unquote, healthier or unhealthier, like, fuck you. But <laughs> it's it still feels awkward to have to like decline a food because of your diet. And oh, gosh, yeah, it sits with you. <laughs> that, yeah. Like there's still times that that sits with me of, over the fact that when I was eating out of those colored containers, mm. I we had a work thing where there was Panera and I couldn't have Panera because it didn't fit into the containers. And I tell the story all the time where someone said like, oh, you're not eating. And I like felt super awkward about it. And at the end of the day, there was a sandwich left over. And my manager was like, oh, just, just take the sandwich home with you. And I'm like, I'm not going to eat that, but I'll take it home to be polite. But I get in my car and I get, I'm stuck in traffic and I swear this Panera sandwich is staring at me from the passenger seat. I can smell it. I don't even like Panera, but I hadn't had anything like that in so long. So I just like inhaled it in the car and then felt this like overwhelming shame and guilt over eating a fucking sandwich. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I also want to kind of go back to when you're like, oh, well, I'm being good. If someone's eating something around you, like, well, no, I have to be good. And I'm going to eat this because I'm, you know, I'm being good. What is that telling the other person if they're not eating the same thing as you? Mm -hmm. Is that telling Mm -hmm. them that they're bad? Is that telling them that they are 
you know, not good because they're not making the same decision you are. So it's not just that your language affects you. It's also that it affects other people. It affects your children. You know, oh, if you're, gosh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I never, people are blown away when they learn that I'm not dieting. Like, oh, you're, you're not dieting. Like, no, like really? I'm like, no. And I, people will say that they are surprised when I'm eating something that other people deem as like, quote unquote, bad, like, oh, well, you're a personal trainer and you eat that around your son. Well, yeah, my son's going to grow up with a healthy fucking relationship with food. You know, he also sees me and what people see you eating is only a sliver of what your diet actually looks like. I don't eat cupcakes and pizza every day. 80% of my diet is nice, big, luscious salads and nice, delicious home cooked meals. Like I don't go out to eat every day. I will go out to eat every once in a while. I don't finish everything on my plate all the time. Like that's something that people are only seeing a teeny tiny part of what you're eating. So don't let that be the defining factor of what makes you good or bad. Yeah, yeah. It's like when people say like, oh, I don't know how this person maintains their physique. All I ever see them eating is burgers and fries. Well, the only time you ever see this person is because you go out to dinner with them once a month. You don't yeah. see the other 29 days out of the month of what they're eating. That is clearly not all that they eat. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And same thing with the gym. A lot of people think that because, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this for you too, Nick and you, Iris, like a lot of people think because you're a fitness enthusiast or you're a coach that you work out six or seven days a week. Like you're working out all the time. Never when again. In reality, <laughs> exactly. Never again. In reality, we're only working out three to four days a week. Like yeah. we're only working out a minimal amount of time and we're just really leaning into our, you know, rest and recover and making sure that we're taking care of our body, getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, eating a lot of nutrient dense foods. You know, people have these assumptions of others. And I think that they place those assumptions as expectations on themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very um, important point. And I think for anybody who follows anybody online, I'm going to cut right now and I'm doing a, a series of lunch in a fat loss phase for reels. And I'm already getting questions about like, well, why are you eating this? What is, what's up with this? Like, why do you want that? Just because someone is doing something or eating something does not mean that it's what you should be doing. Foods that I eat during a deficit are foods that I like, that fit my lifestyle, that make it easier for me to do what I do, right? Same with maintenance, same with a surplus. Exercises that I do are things that one are probably programmed for me by my coach. Doesn't necessarily mean you should take it and run with it. Right. Same right. with Brooke, same with Nick, you know, <laughs> and I, this is why I absolutely love that you're doing this as a long term series of here's some lunches that I have in a calorie deficit over the course of a lot of time, mm -hmm. because a lot of times you'll see that post on social media, what I eat in a day and people will look at that and be like, oh, this is how they eat every single day. When yeah. number one, those posts are very carefully tailored to like, I'm going to make sure that I eat as healthy as possible. So I look like this top notch model of fitness. Mm -hmm. And that's probably not what those people eat uh, over the course of a month every day. Like they're, they're going to be having some things in there that 
they might not want you to see. Now, those things are totally mm-hmm. okay to have, but they don't want you to see them. Yeah, they're very curated. I mean, social yeah. media is very curated. Brooke and I have talked about this. Like, we have an aesthetic that we like to have on Instagram. Like, it's just a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, I like to think we're more like, quote unquote, real than other people. But still, it's just a snapshot. It's just a very tiny snapshot. And people forget that. Yeah. And people forget that people post things that they want you to see. They're posting their highlight reels. They're not posting the moments that they're struggling or the moments that they're, you know, they're feeling like they're not hitting numbers in the gym or they're feeling like, you know, they're they're not eating as nutritiously as they usually do or that it even comes down to parents like people will post like the the nice happy family they don't post the struggles so right. that's important to realize too is that people post myself included the highlight reel because number 1 not everybody needs to see your struggle but number 2 you have to have a little bit of critical thinking and understand that there's a lot more to life than outside of an instagram post yeah oh. yeah and if you're listening to this now and you're thinking like oh like Brooke, Nick, and Iris have it so together. Like, we don't. <laughs> we we don't. Like, I we all fuck up sometimes. Like, there are times where I'm literally just like, I don't want to go to the gym today. So I don't. It doesn't happen often because I, I genuinely enjoy going to the gym. But I, I struggle with my food sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like, well, I want to eat an entire thing of Chinese food. <laughs> and so I go for it. And, like, that's fine. And... Sometimes I may even feel guilty about that. No matter how much I talk about how you don't need to feel feel guilty about food, we 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 may still have some of that stuff in us and that's okay. Just because we're fitness professionals or like fitness enthusiasts doesn't mean that we don't have struggles as well. So we're all human. Yes, yeah. including you. you listening. Yes. Thank you for bringing that up because that is so important and it just it just goes to show that like Every single person has struggles. It is a journey for a reason. I know a lot of people don't like the term fitness journey, but I do. And the reason is, is because it's more of like a roller coaster. You know, it has twists, it has turns, it has obstacles. Screws fall out and five people die. (laughs) I mean, it's never happened yet. But I think we should start calling it a fitness roller coaster. I like that. I like that. I like that too. I like fitness roller coaster because you're going to have days where that's when you're going to drop off. That's when you go through the drop off. There's going to be a day where you're going on the loop-de-loop. You know, everybody is going to have days where it's not going to look pretty, including people who have made this a lifestyle and kept it a lifestyle for 15, 20, 30 years. You know, everybody has ebbs and flows and you're going to ebb and you're going to flow. You just have to go with it. That's just life. Like you might be the best in the world at your job, but you're still going to have struggles when you walk into work some days. Fitness is the same thing. It's, you know, it's, it's not glorified. It's not, it's not always sexy. Sometimes it's going to look like shit and embrace that. It's fine. Move on. Normalize the mess. Yeah. That's where you find joy in the process. It's where you learn. It's where you like, where you grow when you are going through a challenging time and then you make it to the other side. Don't look at that as like failure. Mm-hmm. Look at that as feedback. Look at it as a learning experience and a learning opportunity. Look at that as as progress. Like you got through a shitty time and you exactly. came out on the other side and you didn't quit. That's fucking progress. Not quitting is is progress in and of itself. 
Oh, oh absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Well, this was Sounds fucking like fun. Like, what a great dynamic, the three of us here. This is I awesome. love it. I think we're I pretty cool. I love it. <laughs> well, I think we're pretty cool, too. <laughs> fucking awesome. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with us, Nick. It's always fun to chat. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's been, it's been a, a great pleasure. It's been awesome. And it's been very exciting and fun to live vicariously through your powerlifting. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I thought for a while I wanted to do that, but then my goals changed and it's really fun to watch though. So congrats. That's fair. You're killing it. I'm going to try and like actually share more of my training. Cause like this meet, I was like super quiet about it. I was just like super in my head at the gym. Like, nah, I'm going to fucking show everyone up. <laughs> <laughs> so going, going forward, we'll, uh, we'll document a little bit more. So cool. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Deets for the peeps. Where can they find you? Uh, you can basically Google Nick Anderson Fitness. I mean, my website, nickandersonfitness.com, Instagram, Nick Anderson Fitness, Nick Anderson Fitness Podcast. Those are the three three main places to find me. Complicated. Yeah, so hard. If you can't <laughs> figure that out, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> that is one thing that you say that I absolutely love. Nick. I don't know what to tell you. It's very much a Nickism. <laughs> I I am going to adopt this Nickism because I absolutely love it. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I don't think I realized I see that until you pointed that out. But see, somebody pointed out a Brookism, and I say 100% and absolutely all the fucking time. You do. I'm like, you do. absolutely, 100%. I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going to throw everyone for a loop one day and be like, precisely. <laughs> Indubitably. Indubitably. I don't even know what that means. I don't think I do either. <laughs> I just know the Grinch said it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Tater Talks, two bitches talk fitness. If you enjoyed the show, let us know by writing a review, subscribing wherever you like to listen to podcasts. Find me, Iris, on Instagram at Iris Deadlifts. And you can find me, Brooke, on Instagram at Get You a Brooke. We'll talk to you soon. Nice. Nice. <laughs>